And it's been uh, such a blessing for us. And uh, so we're thrilled to be here this morning uh, as they're out of town. I want to say hello to Grace Life Church. Good morning to y'all. And uh, I also want to take just a moment. Um, Brother Matt's going uh, to, uh, however you want to pronounce it, on the English side, Bangladesh, uh, or probably uh, Bangladesh. But he's, uh, I think he leaves Wednesday going there. So we bless you, brother, in the name of Jesus. And we declare that your trip will be profitable. Amen. It'll be, it'll be full of safety. You'll be covered in the blood of Jesus. And of course, he's going to Global Ventures and his daughter's a student there. She's, uh, uh, she's already there and made preparation for the trip. So they're going to go there. So we'll be, we believe it's a great time of harvest, a great time of increase in their footsteps are ordered to the Lord. And I can't wait to hear about the, the results that'll come forth from that. Amen. And, uh, and I think, uh, uh, the great missionary Ronald C is in the house today. So bless you, sir. Uh, glad you're there. Hey, I missed you today. Look forward to getting up with you. Um, I want you to go in your Bible with me this morning to, to um, uh, it won't be our text, but we'll go there. Uh, but go to Matthew chapter four, and I'm going to be reading from the, the Passion Translation. But our text is coming out of John 8, 32, where Jesus said, and you shall know the truth. And the truth shall do what? Make you, free. Make you free. So we all know that truth. We all know that scripture. And I'll tell you, Melissa, uh, we should just turn her loose because she had my, she has my, everything I want to do today, she already put it out there. So it's good to know that two people here in the Holy Ghost, how about the rest of y'all? So we, I, I know she's on point. I know she has a prayer life and knows Jesus. So I'm going to be working on the rest of y'all. So anyway, amen. But Matthew, Matthew chapter four talks about the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Anyone ever been tempted to not believe? Yes. No one, anyone ever, ever had to deal with doubt? Well, of course, if you're human, you have. And how many know Jesus, uh, although he was God, he came, he came to this world human, right? I mean, he was deity, deity but he stripped himself of deity and he came born uh, as a human uh, but what puts us in the same order as him is that we both had to be empowered by the Holy Ghost. So we, hear, we see here Jesus in a, in a place of uh, great temptation. We see him uh, in verse or chapter four, verse one. It says, afterwards, the Holy Spirit. And I like the way the, the, the translation of the passion does in the very first verse. It says, the Holy Spirit led Jesus in the lonely wilderness. Now listen, in order to reveal his strength against the accuser. He was led by the Holy Spirit to this place. And in this place, he was going to reveal his strength against the accuser by going through the ordeal of testing. And after fasting for 40 days, Jesus was extremely weakened and, fam and famished. Then the tempter came to entice him to provide food for doing a miracle. So he said to Jesus, how can you possibly be the son of God and go hungry? Just order the stones to be turned into loaves and bread. And Jesus answered, the scriptures say, bread alone will not satisfy. But true life is found in every word which constantly comes forth from God's mouth. Then the accuser transported Jesus to the holy city of Jerusalem, perched him at the highest point of the temple and said to him, if you're really God's son, jump. And the angels will catch you for it is written in the scriptures. 
He will command his angels to protect you. They will lift you up so that you won't even bruise your, your foot on a rock. Once again, Jesus said unto him, the scriptures say, you must never put the Lord of God to a test. And the third time, now, now who's the accuser? The devil, Satan, right? So if he's going to come to Jesus, how many know he's going to come at us? Yeah. We're not excluded from this, are we? So the third time, the accuser lifted Jesus uh, to the very mountain range and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the splendor that goes with it. And all the kingdoms, he said, I will give to you. The accuser said, if you will only kneel down before me and worship me. And Jesus said, you are stupid. No, I'm sorry, uh, that was another translation. <laughs> he, he, said, go, <laughs> he said, go away, enemy, for the scriptures say, kneel before the Lord your God and worship him only. And the accuser left him. He would do what? He left him, and the angels suddenly gathered around at Jesus to minister to his needs. How did Jesus deal with the enemy? How did he deal with the accuser, brethren? How did he deal with temptation? Every time the Son of God dealt with Jesus through the Word. Can you imagine Satan? We know Jesus is the Word, right? Can you imagine, can you imagine the accuser, Satan, trying to tempt the Word by misquoting the Word? This, trying to deceive him with the word. Well, and that's how, that's his path for us today. Now I want you to go with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, then we'll get into our lesson uh, for today. Just want to read one verse, and I'm still reading from the Passion Translation. So if it seems real passionate, there's a reason for it. 1 Corinthians 10, third, uh, 10 verse 13. So we see Jesus was tempted. And the scripture says that there's times that we have testing. There's times that we walk through trials. Jesus said, in this life, you will have, you will have temptings, testing, and trials. But be of good cheer, for I've overcome them all. Amen. So uh, verse 13 of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says we experience times of testing, which is normal for every human being. But God will be faithful to you and he will screen and filter the severity and the nature and the time of every test of trial that you face so that you can bear it. And each test is an opportunity to trust him more for along with every trial, God has provided for you a way of escape that will bring you out victorious. Notice it says that he will screen. God will screen the test and he'll filter the severity of it, the nature of it. He'll, he'll filter the timing of it, of every test, so that you can face and that you can bear it and come out successfully. In other words, if a test comes to you and you're in a, you're in a position, you're not in a position, he said, I will make the way of escape for you. Amen. There's some things you don't have to escape because you have the power within you. Well, maybe as a baby Christian, or maybe someone who doesn't know the truth, he'll just pull them out of the test. But when you have the truth in you, you then you just need to turn around and you need to speak to that situation and you need to de declare and decree the work of the Lord. Uh, September the 28th, and you may know about this and may more know more of it than I do, 
September the 28th, uh, last month, uh, in the, in the uh, very evening, in the Jewish calendar, started a brand new year. So it was the Feast of Trumpets, uh, September 28th, and uh, lasted for a few days into October. So it was the Feast of Trumpets, and they celebrated the time of repentance and a time of them coming uh, to repent before God, putting themselves uh, in God's will and God's way, the way that they know how to. And so, uh, but it's a, it's a landmark, and it's not the uh, it's not the, this is the Jew, the Jewish uh, Hebrew calendar. It's not the Gregorian calendar, which keeps up time from the birth of Jesus, uh, but from the beginning of creation as they know it. And so, the year was it turned over was 5780 in the Jewish calendar. So here we are, you know, on this part of the world, and we think the, the new year starts on January 1st. But in the Jewish calendar, once again, it started on the 28th. And uh, so 5780. Well, there's some things that were significant to know about that, and that, and that the 50, 5770 for 5779, that decade there, has a symbolism to it, and of course it has a prophetic meaning to it, and that prophetic meaning of the year prior to September 28th, if, uh, and I'm just going to give you the, the, uh, <clears throat> the headline version of this for sake of time, but that decade was a decade of being able to see. It meant seeing. And so what do we do? We, 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 see by, we, we see in the spirit, don't we? We don't walk by faith or we do walk by faith. We don't walk by what? By our sight or our sensory mechanisms. We don't walk according to the senses, but we walk according to the word of God. And so it says that uh, during that 57 to 57, 79, it was the, it was the time of, of being able to see. When we crossed over to 5779 a couple of weeks ago, the, uh, the prophetic meaning of that is not only eight, but it's a new, it's a new decade. And, it, and so in, it means the year of the mouth. What am I saying? I'm saying God is telling you that what you've been seeing for a decade, I now want you to declare by the words of your mouth and I want you to speak out and decree and release my word of everything that I've been showing you. The vision that I've given you, the words that I've given to you, that which I've given you in, in vision and interpretation, that which you've had in your spirit, it's now time to re release it like you've never released it before and decree and declare it with your mouth so that it will, will never exceed the boundaries of what you think and believe. So it's what you think about, it's what you are, if what you're thinking about, here's the question, is it the truth? Because it's the truth that's going to set you free. So are you, do you ever take time to think about what you think about and examine what you believe? Because it's only the truth that sets you free. Uh, we're, t we're told um, that uh, humans can have Somewhere, this is a conservative number that from, from my studies, I've seen much more, but uh, we can have as many as 50,000 thoughts a day that bombard our mind. And um, that's, a, that's a lot. Yes. Uh, I've seen up to 70, 80. And uh, somebody said, no, it's just 30,000. I said, well, 30,000 thoughts a day is, is plenty. But uh, so we have a lot of opportunity for our thinking to go this way or to go that way. And, uh, you know, that's where the enemy wants to get involved. And so the question again is, do you think about what you think about? Because how many of the battleground is in the mind? And the battleground is not only in the mind. From, from Satan's perspective, it is not just the battleground, but it is the battle for the mind. 
In other words, he's after real estate. He wants to own your mind as real estate. Uh, Romans 7.23 says, Paul said, I see another law at work in my members of my body, and they're waging against my mind. So where's the battleground? Once again, it's in the mind. Paul said, I see this. It's, it's another law. It's at work. It's working in me. It's working in the members of my body. It's waging a war. The war is against my, my mind. So it's not just a battle in your mind. There's a battle for your mind. And uh, so God's truth will always supersede anything the enemy uh, would have to say because there's no truth in him. And uh, so it's God's truth versus a, a, a sinful truth or a sinful fleshy thoughts. So the battle is a choice between your thinking, spiritual truth, thoughts, or sinful fleshy thoughts. And uh, we, know what the, we know the way what the truth is there. Now, here, here's another way, I guess, of expressing it. Uh, the battle is between the truth. Let's just get it simple. The battle between the truth and the lie. Melissa was sharing before the service some things about sometimes we can, people can have a perspective. I know God can do that. Well, Norval Hayes used to say it this way. That means 10 cents worth of nothing. The Bible says that Satan believes and he trembles because he knows the word's true. So it's never, we never receive on the level of what God can do. Well, wouldn't that be wonderful if we just all just receive based on what God can do? Huh? No, he can do exceedingly above all we ask or think according to the power that's working in us. So there's a power that's in us that has to go to work to engage what he can do. So the key text, again, is you should know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So if the truth will set you free, question number two, if the truth will set you free, then what is the results of living from a lie? So do you, are you, do you ever think about what you're thinking about? Uh, keeping you in bondage to that, I was given as an illustration there. You, you could use many, but you know, Having raised children, and uh, most of you have uh, raised children, or uh, <clears throat> how many at least was a child at one time in their life? <laughs> Amen. We all agreed on something today. No matter what your denomination is, everybody was born a child as a baby. But, uh, you know, it's something about putting a, a, a child to bed at night. Seemed like it's a long process. You never knew that child could, uh, could ever be so thirsty and drink so much water. I mean, their nicknames should, be, should just be camel, like they've been on Sahara Desert and haven't had a, haven't had a, you know, like mama, mama, mama. I mean, thank God it's mama. And, you know, I don't know why it works that way, but she says, I don't know why they keep calling me halfway across the house. You're right there. And I, and I told them, I said, well, she, they just like you better. What can, what can I do about it? But anyway, so here's the, you know, here's the deal. And you, know, you get in there and they got this big thing that's all worked up and I can't go to sleep because there's a monster under my bed. <clears throat> well, there's no monster under the bed, is there? And so you tell them there's no such thing as monsters, but you know, oh, there's a monster. So it's either, it's either a ploy to stay up or they, they, they believe it. So we've had to, you know, turn on the lights. So we've had to get a flashlight. They can come out, look under the bed, look in the closet, look everywhere. And, you know, and, and once again, here it is. Uh, there's a monster under my bed. Well, 
We think that's funny. We think it's comical. Uh, when you're ready for it and going to bed, it's not as funny. But the, the deal is, what is if we adults not believe in monsters, but we believe in something like God gave me the sickness to teach me something? Or God's holding out on me because he's bringing a greater good to me. Mm -hmm. Well, the Bible says every good gift comes down from the Father of lights. Beloved, I wish you of all things that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. See, that's the truth. So Satan's uh, number one goal is to gain real estate, and that real estate will be the mind. The battle, once again, is not just the battleground in the mind, but the battle is for the mind. He wants to own it. He can get take, if he can take the mind, he'll take the body with it. And so we can't let that happen, can we? So one of the greatest deceptions from Satan is that you need to go do something. In other words, that's what he did in Matthew chapter 4. You're hungry. How could you be the son of God and be hungry? All you have to do is turn these stones into bread. Now, this is just my belief. I don't believe Jesus, if he would have done that, could have, uh, he could have turned them into bread. Jesus said, I can't do anything unless I see my father do it. I, I won't say anything unless my father says it. And I think his ability to be able to do, because he said all the miracles that I do, it's not me doing it, it's the Father doing it through me. So he would have been acting on the words of Satan, not on the words of God to turn. In other words, he says, he says, don't look to God for your supply. Look to yourself for your supply and prove who you are. But we don't have to prove who we are. We know who we are. And so Jesus, just all he had to do is say, not so, here's the truth, it's written. Next temptation. Throw yourself off the temple mount here. Uh, you know. And then here's, he, he, now, now here's the devil quoting Psalms 91. Amen. You believe me, the, the, the devil don't go to church? Sure he goes to church. Amen. He quotes scriptures. Amen. Now, I'm not him to death so I'm, because I'm not up preaching. But anyway, I'm just saying, sure he does. And so Jesus says, no, we don't, we, we don't tempt God that way. That's not what the word says. That's a perversion of the word. That's the twisting of the word. But how many know the truth of it is the angels do keep us safe. They do protect us. Amen. The Bible says the angels encamp around those who worship him. And then, of course, he pulled the last one, you know, because he's looking for more real estate. He says, well, look, he says, I own all this. And he did. Adam, Adam committed high treason. He, he, well, he is. Presently, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, it says he is the God presently of this world system. That's about to come to an end. Uh, but he said, but if you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll give all this to you. How did, how did Jesus come against the adversary? He came against him with what? The word. But he came against him with what is the word? Truth. John 17, 17 says thy word is truth. So we need to stop and take inventory a lot of times and say, is what I'm believing the truth? Or is it a lie? Is it religion? Is it something that, that I was raised up to believe? Is it what my parents and my grandparents believe? Is it religious? Uh, did, did it come out of a, out of a bestseller book, uh, even a, a Christian bestseller book? Or is it the Word of God? In other words, we need to be able to think for ourselves, read the Word. We have the unction from the Holy One. We have the unction from the Holy Ghost who is the truth. He said he would guide us into what? All truth. All truth. And so how many, know, how many know the truth is light and light will expose darkness? 
There's no such thing as darkness overcoming the light. Light always overcomes the darkness. You, uh, I always said this way, Charles Capps always said, you can't go into the hardware store, you can't go into Lowe's and say, you know, I got this room, it just has so much light, it's just too much light, I'm gonna buy some dark bulbs. <laughs> you cannot extinguish the natural light <laughs> with a dark bulb. But you can go into a basement, can't you, with no outside exposure of light, and if you have electricity and you have lighting fixtures, you can turn them out, you can turn them out or just take a match. With one match, you can, over, you can overcome and you can extinguish all darkness. And we are children of light. Amen. God is good. And so <clears throat> I want to go with this thoughts a little bit further today than um, uh, with this uh, teaching. And that is, just say it this way, let's stick with the truth. I mean, if the truth sets you free, then we wouldn't want to deviate from that. Let's just stay with it. Right? I mean, if it's working, let's work it. If Jesus is going to be Lord in the same yesterday, today, and forever, then let's stay with that. It's working. And sometimes it doesn't feel like it works. Sometimes it looks like it's not working. Sometimes you say, yeah, well, you say this, and pastor says this, teaches this, but I haven't experienced that in my life. Well, your life's not over. Jesus walked through testing trials. Everyone will. But you just stay with the word. In other words... It's, it's like planting a seed. You plant a seed, you put it in the ground, well, you've, you've hit it. But what's hiding from you right now is the seed, but what's really hiding from you is the harvest. I like something Andrew Womack said. He says, uh, I, don't have to, I don't have to be with you when you plant your garden to know what you, know, what you planted. All I got to do is come by in a couple months, and I'll know what you did a couple months ago. So if you just plant the word in your heart and keep the weeds out, Amen. God's the God of increase. Paul said, I planted, Paul has watered, and it was God who gave us the increase. So <clears throat> the enemy's still going to be working in the process. We know that from Mark chapter 4. He comes, to, he comes immediately, the Bible says, to do what? He comes to steal the word. So or can we say it this way? He comes to steal the truth. He comes to steal the truth. You know, not, not everything... In the, everything in the Bible is truly recorded, but not everything in the Bible is true. Say that once again. Everything in the Bible was truly recorded, but not everything is true, and you need to work and you need to put it in application in your life. We see a lot of mistakes in here. We see Israel's mistakes. They were written for our admonition. You don't want to go do that. We know that Judas hung himself. Is that true? Do you want to go do likewise? No, don't hang out with him. Oh, I didn't mean, well, that's the point of it, but anyway. So he, 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 that's not truth. But Satan comes when? He comes immediately to steal the word. What's the big deal about coming immediately? Because he knows the power of truth. He knows the power of the seed of the word of God. So he, he cannot let it get a root system. He has to come immediately. Where's he going to come? He's going to battle you in the mind. But he's not battling just for, you know, to win the next round. And he's, he doesn't mind taking a long time to do it. See, he figures he's going to be here a while. Hmm? And if Jesus uh, doesn't come in our lifetime, well, we won't be here. We'll be alive. We'll be in heaven, but, but, he'll, but he'll be here. And so he's battling not just for, you know, the next round. He's battling for your mind. As Paul said, he said he's waging a warfare 
but this warfare, warfare is, he said, it's simply in my mind. So if Satan can't just show up and destroy people's lives at will, then how's he doing it? See, sometimes we just think, well, he's, he's came in here and he's did this, 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 and this, and we got to get enough people to stop him. Well, that's just not true. Jesus never, and, and I know I'm in the South saying this, and I know I'm in the Bible Belt saying this, but Jesus never taught a prayer chain. Hmm. Now, there's a principle in there that's right, if any two shall agree. There's another principle that says what? That two's better than one. But if our thinking is that we need to get enough people on board, almost as a petition, why are we doing that? Are we doing that because the situation looks so desperate that we need enough voices going to heaven to get God's attention? No, he said, I, I know when a sparrow drops. I know, I mean, here's the number of your head. So us informing God with a bunch of people is not bringing him into the situation he wasn't aware of. Smith Wesworth said, God will move over a million folks to one person who's believing in him. Just one. Brother Hagin used to say it this way. I never, I never, there's two things. He said, it wouldn't be wrong for you, but he said, I never did it. I never got anyone to believe, uh, agree with me about my money, nor my, nor my, uh, or my finances, nor my health. And they said, really? Why not, Brother Hagin? He said, I never found anyone who was as interested in my finances as I was, in my health as I was. And he didn't say that they didn't care. He says, but you know, and he says, uh, the, the, way that you, the way that you test that, uh, he says, uh, and, he, and I've done this through the years. He says, how many people asked you, what, did, did you like Bill get paid last month? Well, usually no one asks you that. You know why? They weren't thinking about your light bill. You know who's they were thinking about? They were thinking about their light bill. He says, so I never brought it up for agreement. I just went to the word of God and says, my God, we are supplying all my needs through Christ Jesus. Right? Through what? Christ. Now, what does Christ mean? Christ means the anointed or the anointed one. So my, my need, the truth is my needs are met through the anointing through the anointed one and his anointing. What does the anointing do? It destroys every yoke of bondage, every yoke. So if you have a yoke, you have a sickness, you have a disease, uh, you, you're, you're dealing with thoughts or depression, or you have a family issue, relationship issue, you need to go to the truth. Then you need to be truthful with yourself. You have to be truthful with yourself. So if, if you want to go to a place that you've never been, then of course the old saying is you have to do something that you've never done before. But the other part of it is, is, to, is to go to the place that God has for you, destined to you, then you have to be honest with yourself and say, where am I? You know, your, your, your phone, which is really more a computer than it is a phone, if you have a smartphone, I mean, it's, it's a telephone, but it, it really is more of a computer than it does anything. But you know, you can just... You can ask directions of how to get to wherever you want to go to, right? And she'll map it out or he'll map it out. You know, Siri, I think everybody here knows, um, can be a male voice or a female voice. I, I finally set mine to a male for a little while because I've had so many females tell me what to do all the time. I just thought I would have a swap to a male voice for a little while. <laughs> so anyway, that may not really help anybody, but anyway, I just, I feel better getting it out. And, uh, or it could even be a British voice, you know. And here's, so here's the deal. But what, what she's going to need is only two pieces of information. And that is, 
where do you want to go and where are we starting from? Based on that criteria, she, can, she or he can get you anywhere. But you have to be able to be truthful. You can't say I don't have a problem when I do have a problem. You can't say I'm faithful when I'm not faithful. You can't say I have no fear when there's fear there. You can't, you, 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 you can't say I believe when you're not believing, right? Because God says he is rewarded of those who, what, who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11 said it is impossible for God to lie in what? It's impossible. Well, I thought there was nothing impossible. Well, there's one. We found one. It is impossible for God to tell you a lie because he's not the author of lies. Now, if you will go to 2 Thessalonians, and I want to read a, a passage of scripture here to you. And we'll see how deception works. Now, bring, just bring it in context real quickly. This is about the Antichrist. This is speaking about before the rapture of the church. And, uh, <clears throat> and our part in that. I'm in the bunch that's leaving before. How about you? I know a few folks who stay in. Some says, well, how can you do that? Well, I don't know. The great Hilton Sutton, he's in heaven now. And, um, you know, there's some that believe that we'll be here and uh, the many who believe that, you know, we'll be raptured before. And I believe there's more than sufficient evidence to say that, that we'll be gone way before or we'll be gone before, you know, uh, the Antichrist is revealed. And, uh, you know, the, the, so the question is, is in this chapter. And, uh, but our point is to see the de deception and the deceiver and how he works. So 2 Thessalonians, and I'm going to read verses 9 through 12. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. This is speaking of the Antichrist. It says, and this man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power, signs, and miracles. Verse 10, he'll use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refused to love and accept the truth. They refused to love and accept the truth that would have saved them. Could they have been saved? Yes, but they would not lay hold of the what? The truth. Now, how did he do that? Well, it says right here that he used every kind of evil deception to fool those on the way to the truth on the way to salvation, and they fell for a lie. They fell for a lie through his deception. Verse 11 says, so, says, so God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe the lies. Verse 12, and they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the lie. The Amplified of verse 10 and 11 of that same opening, once again, this is talking about the Antichrist, it says, and by unlimited seduction to evil with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they did not welcome the truth, but they refused it and they refused to love it where they could have been saved. Therefore, God sends them upon a misleading influence, a working of error and a strong delusion to make them believe what is false in order that they all may be judged and condemned who do not believe in, but refuse to trust and rely on the truth. But instead, they took pleasure 
in unrighteousness. So I want to say it this way. Deception is, of course, of the enemy, right? But it's deception that precedes destruction. There's never destruction without deception first. Never, never works in that order. So you can avoid destruction if you will overcome deception. Why are people perishing? Why are people not having God's best? Why are they not living the life that Jesus came to give us and provide for us? It's because they chose either they don't know, and that's our job to teach, right? To disciple people, or else they have heard, but they chose to believe a lie and not the truth. And because of that, they perished. So the difference between a person having victory, living in victory, experiencing victory, or being destroyed is the content of the truth. One's the truth, the other's a lie. It's just that cut and dry. God is good, the devil's bad. John 10.10 is a dividing line. So his approach is to deceive, to destroy. People, you know, um, <clears throat> he's, not, he's not overriding people's will, is he? Hmm? We, we, we have to see our responsibility in this. He's waging for the mind. The warfare is in the mind, but he's also battling for the real estate to own the mind. And there is a, there is a power struggle in the will, but he's, he's not forcing them. Satan can't force people's will. So what he has, the only tool that he has have and ever, ever will have is he uses deception as his tool so that they will, he tries to attempt to, them to believe something other than the truth and to lose their faith. We won't, we won't turn to any of these because you're very familiar with them for sake of time. But we know in Genesis chapter three in the garden, we know that he came to really steal, kill and destroy there. But did he force the fruit in their mouth? No. No, did he, did he override their wills? No. But what did he do? He deceived Eve, didn't he? He got her to believe wrong and through deception was able to bring her destruction. Simply based on what? A lie. Did God say? Did God say? In other words, God is holding out on you. God, there's better for you. You could be just like God if you would just eat this. Eat this. And then, then he got her to look at it. You know? Pride of life, the eyes. He got to look at it. She saw that it was good. Must taste good. It looks good for food. And God knows that if you eat this, you'll be just like him. Well, we know the truth is what? That they were like him. They were made in his image, just like you and I are made in the image of God, right? Believe me, go down to Publix, wherever that you shop, you can chew on any vegetable or fruit that you want to. It won't change you a bit. It may make you healthier, but it won't, it, it won't, it won't change you into deity, I promise you. Amen. Well, so how, what did he do? He didn't force the food down their mouth. You know, he came in the form of a serpent. He didn't go around and choke them around the neck and, you know, force the fruit. I don't know if it was an apple, whatever it was, but never made him eat it. 
but it got her to believe something that simply was not true. Deception before the fall. We, we read it in Matthew chapter four, just a few minutes ago. He came to steal, kill, and destroy there. But he, uh, did, he, uh, did he force Jesus to turn rocks into bread? The answer is no. Did he force Jesus to jump off the temple to bow down and worship him? The answer is no. But what's he trying to do? He's trying to deceive Jesus. After 40 days of hungering, he was thirsty. He was hungry. He was, he was at a place of, um, <clears throat> well, imagine 40 days. You know, sometimes we miss two meals and we think that our belly button's touching our, our backbone. 40 days in the desert. And, uh, <clears throat> well, so he, he, came at, he came at a very weak and vulnerable time for Jesus. He picked his timing. See, the enemy studies people. He studies your choices. He studies your habits. He sees how you respond to other people. He sees how you respond to situations. He makes great notes. He's really good at what he does. Amen? Now, he's a total loser, you understand. But if you think he has no power, you're, you haven't read enough of the Bible. But his power is not through supernatural power. Your power is greater than his. Because you're in Christ. You're, you're in him. To get to you, he has to come through Christ. Unless you come outside of Christ. If you stay hid in Christ, it's a Clint Eastwood, make my day. So what's he doing? He's trying to lure you out of Christ to bring his thoughts. What's he doing? He's trying to work Romans 12 in reverse. Which says, don't be conformed to this world, but be you what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's trying to transform your life by transforming your mind through a different source of information. He's still using information. He's still using words, but his words aren't truth. If you, if you latch on to those words, so what he's doing is he's working through your five senses realm, which touches and smells and tastes and feels and hears and all the things that are real maybe are a fact or they appear to be a fact. And he says, see what this look like, see how this is not working or see how this feels and see what the x-ray said. And it can all be a fact, but that doesn't mean that it's truth. Doesn't mean that it's truth. You know, so you can, you, 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 you can believe and say anything that you want to, but it doesn't make it truth. The only thing that we can stand upon the word of God, it, the reason why we can successfully is because it is backed up by the creator. Backed up by the creator. So you are going to the highest universe. God's throne is established on two things. That's righteousness and justice. Everything about God and everything about heaven is right. And everything about God and everything about heaven is just. Amen. Did you know there's courts in heaven? Did you know that heaven holds courts? Sure does. In other words, what we do as Christians sometimes is the, the error that we make is we get in these long battles, but we, but we go to the wrong court. We try to fight, you know, we, we, uh, people talk about spiritual warfare and getting a hundred people to scream and holler and cast this out and cast that out, that's not really spiritual warfare. The warfare is of the, of the mind. So what we do is, is, is we're not even fighting it the wrong way, we're fighting it at the wrong place. To win your warfare, to win the battle, don't fight it on the battlefield. 
The Bible says in Ephesians 2 that we're seated where? In heavenly places. Well, we know that there's three realms. We know there's the heavenly realm. We know the earth realm that we live, but we also know where Satan demons live. And they're, they're in the second heaven, aren't they? So when you pray and you're going to do battle, then why don't you just go to the highest place? A lot of times, uh, a leading prophet, I won't uh, give his name out, but he said a lot of times even in the prophetic realm where people miss it in the prophetic realm, you know, mostly trusted voices sometimes can miss it. And he said it's not, so this leading prophet uh, uh, didn't say it's because what they heard was wrong. He said they were, they were listening in on the wrong atmosphere. In other words, they got their information, but they got it out of the second atmosphere where demons and Satan rules and reigns and roams. But the Bible says that we are seated in the heavenly places where? In Christ, and we are far above all principality and power and might and dominion. So why don't you take your battle, why don't you take your court case to the highest court case and do your battle there? Because God's throne is established on justice and right. So if something's gone wrong, then all you have to do is ask God for justice. In other words, God, will you bring a just verdict to this? I'm not asking for something that's not fair. I'm asking for something that's fair. I'm not asking you to hurt someone. I'm not asking you to pay someone back. I'm asking you for mercy on their behalf, mercy on my behalf, but I'm asking you for justice. Justice. Now, I got examples that would just, it would take all day long of people who couldn't settle court cases and it went this way and it went that way, who, who, paid, who prayed these type of prayers and sometimes within just a couple of days or a week or a month, something that could not happen did happen. Because God's, God's whole throne is established on these two principles, right, righteousness, and you are the righteous of God, and justice, and he will bring a, a just verdict to you. And then uh, we know then First uh, Peter 5, 8, it says that he roams around seeking those whom he may devour. He didn't say he can devour, but looking for who he can. Well, how does he know who he can? All he has to do is listen to him talk. Out of the abundance of the, of the, high, of the heart, the mouth will do what? It'll speak or it'll leak. So all you got to do is let people talk long enough and you'll know what they believe, right? So he's roaming around seeing who he might devour, which means he can't devour just anyone. So he's working in the realm of the mind of your believing and endeavoring to get you to believe wrong. Wrong. Well, <clears throat> if we have time, I wish we did have time, but we uh, may not have time. But in John uh, 10, 10, if you read this about the, the, the whole chapter about the shepherd and Jesus being the chief portal or, or, or the, you know, he says there's only one door that you can enter into the father and that's through Jesus. And, uh, and if someone leads you another way, a deceiver, then what he's trying to do is lead you astray. And what he does is that he's trying to lead you away from the truth. There's, there's, no, there's no forced astraying. He doesn't lead you astray by force. So if, if, if deception means to be led astray, that means that you weren't forced astray. But you chose to follow something false. No matter what the lie is, no matter what, how true it looks and feels, you never, ever have to follow the enemy. Never have to do it. John 10, 10, the thief, is going, he is going to steal, he's going to kill, he's going to destroy. 
by being false and trying to get you to believe it. I don't know why I keep saying this again. He's after real estate. He wants the mind. It doesn't say that the thief climbs in by some other way and murders all the sheep in a massacre. It's not a power struggle and the enemy is not overriding people's wills. He's simply presenting something that sometimes looks very close to truth, but it's not truth. I think uh, E.W. Kenyon said that we, there's a, there's a, uh, a deception that's going forth that the enemy uses, and it's so close to truth. He didn't say it this way. So it almost could look like first cousins, but they're not in relationship. And it's called mental assent. In other words, they say, oh, yeah, I believe God can do anything. Oh, yeah, I know God can heal anything. But that's not truth. It's not that God can. Say, so, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just believe that would almost be an insult to Jesus. If you, you know, we, we, we had the, the um, movie years ago by Mel Gibson, you know, and uh, you saw Jesus at the, at the whipping post and that was the horrific thing. If you ever went and watched the movie, it was two hours of pure torture if you went and saw it. And probably didn't even come close to depicting actually what really happened to Jesus. But, but to say he can? No, he was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquities. It was the chastisement of your peace that was upon him. It's by his stripes you are healed. And that is the truth. Well, sometimes God doesn't know. That, that, that's not in that verse. Well, that's what happened with my family. Well, I'm... But see, here, here we are. So we have this thing called mental ascent that, ascent, that mentally we ascend to, oh yeah, well, we, we know God heals. We know God can prosper us. We know that God answers prayer. But sometimes, you know, God in his sovereignty and his will and his greater wisdom uh, elects not to answer uh, a prayer or he just tells us to wait or this, this test is good for you. Well, People say, well, God, he only teaches through test. Well, you know, you can learn out of a test. Hmm? I have. There's a lot of ways to learn, right? When you don't believe, you don't believe the bridge is out and you deter it and then you wonder why your car's got total. Well, sucker, it's because it said bridge out. You just didn't believe it is. You just thought it was they were going to do it next month. They wouldn't put the sign up. <laughs> well but we didn't learn to respect the science. There's a lot of things that we know there's truth, but we don't respect them. In other words, we respect healing, but we don't really respect health. Got really quiet here. In other words, we all have many books in our library about healing, but we don't have hardly any books about health. That's because you respect the truth of healing, but you don't respect your body. Speaking to me. Anybody else you might minister to. So we know a lot about what God can do to help our body, but did we respect the temple that we live in? Hmm? Well, you say, well, now you're preaching diet. No, I'm, I'm not preaching diet at all. Paul said all things are to be received by the word, but he didn't say everything's profitable. Hmm? And, well, well, well would, you, would, you give, would you give a child 
a candy bar for every meal for, for, th for three months. Will they like it? They'd be happy for a little while, right? But when they're, when they're sick to their stomach and they're this and they're that and whatever and their teeth's rotting out, well, there'll be a reason for it. Yes, there'll be a reason for it. Wouldn't have been very smart, would it? No. So <clears throat> he, uh, he gets us to try to believe us. Now let's finish up in Proverbs uh, chapter 1, verses uh, 10 through 18. Proverbs chapter 1. Y'all doing okay? Yes, Proverbs 1. Ten. I'm still in the Passion Translation today. It says, when the, when the peer pressure compels you to go with the crowd and sinners invite you to join in, you must simply say no. When the gang says, we're going to steal and kill and get away with it, we'll take down the rich and rob them. We'll swallow them up alive and take what we want from whoever we want. Then we'll take their treasures and fill our homes with loot. So come and join us. Take your chance with us and we'll divide all we get. We'll each end up with the big bags of cash. My son refused to go with them and stay far away from them for crime is their way of life and bloodshed their specialty. And to be aware of their snare is the way of escape. To be aware of their snare is to be the way of escape. And different translation talks about a bird sitting a, a snare for a bird. But if the bird's aware of the snare, you won't touch his hair. Anyway, if it has hair, anyway, it's feathers. So it says they'll resort to murder to steal their victims' assets, but eventually it'll be their own lives that will be ambushed. And I'll go ahead and read verse 19. And their ungodly disrespect for God, they bring destruction on their own lives. So if they're going to meet up with mis misfortune, why did they? It was by choice, right? Well, if you read the, if we, if we had taken time to read the first part of Proverbs, much of Proverbs, Proverbs say wisdom is crying in the streets, trying to give you wisdom, trying to give you guidance, trying to give you insight, trying to give you understanding. And I said, is anyone listening? Are you simpletons? Are you going to listen? Are you going to be, are you going to be as fools? And are you going to be led astray? There's, once again, there's no destruction until there's deception. Satan cannot force you to do something that is wrong. He'll just present it in another, in another manner. So, <clears throat> because the word's light. So with light, we can see what it is. If it's a lie, our path will end up in destruction. Light. God is light. The word is light. So this is how the enemy, that's how he attacks and how are you going to overcome this? You're going to overcome it with light and you're going to overcome it with truth. Light becomes your protection from deception. It is your protection. And uh, the knowledge of the truth will always keep us from being deceived. Always. 
So sight's the key to not being deceived and caught into the enemy's trap and gives light. And that which gives you light will give you, will give you sight. When you get light and you continue in light, it'll, 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 you'll illuminate even more light. You can multiply the light. If you see the truth, an enemy will set up a snare for you. He, if he's trying to set up a trap for you, are you going to walk into it? No, not if you have light. Right? It's the deception. Talking about that bird, and we'll finish here with some different translations in this chapter where it talked about setting up a snare for the bird. The CEV translation says, they are like the bird that sees the bait but ignores the trap. The bird. You know, we ought to be, we ought to be at least smart as a bird, don't you think? Woo, yeah, I think that. You know, especially the dodo bird. He's not around anymore. Hmm? The ERV says you cannot trap birds with a net if they see you spreading it out. <laughs> Yay, bird. Amen. I've never had to counsel with a bird in my office yet. Moving right along. Um, if a bird sees a trap being set, it knows to stay away. Wow. And how God can help us to, using the, an animal, or, I mean, a, a bird. He said, the bird sees what's going on. He knows you're trying to deceive him. He knows you're trying to lure him over this. What's it, what you're trying to do, you're trying to bring him in over into your real estate. What's the enemy doing? He says, they're walking in truth. I don't want them to walk that way. I don't want them to bring people. I don't want them to see people. I, I don't want them to know that they have this kind of heritage. I don't want them to know that they can have divine health. We've got to bring them over this way. Well, just talk to them about this because this is a weak spot for them. See, he studied, he studied this. Where, where does the chain, if it's going to break, where does it break? It always breaks at its weakest link. So he studies this. He roams around like, like a lion, seeing who, who may devour. How does he know that? We give him clues. We say stuff like, if this ever happens again, I'm just going to so-and-so. And they, they write that down. Oh, we make sure that happens Thursday. I can't take any more of this. Oh, make double notes of that. Mm -hmm. Now he sees who he can devour. Where did he get his tip off? Our words. But how do we rule and how do we reign? With our mouth. See, you can't choose whether or not you're going to live by words. See, God said you was. But you can flat choose which words you are going to live by. The GNT, two more translations. The GNT says, it does no good to spread a net when the bird you want to catch is watching you. And the MSG or the message says, oh friend, don't give them a second look. Don't listen to these for a minute. They're reaching for a very bad end, hurrying to ruin everything that they lay hands on. Nobody robs a bank with everybody watching. Yet that's what people are doing and they're doing them. They are doing themselves in. There's no, there's no destruction until there's deception. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Are you ever taking time to think about what you're thinking about? So the idea 
is to set up a trap that a bird can't see so that you can bring him in. But when we have light, and how many know we are children of light? We are well illuminated, aren't we? We're well illuminated. So I want to I wanna urge you to stay with the word. Stay with the truth. This is the year and the this is the year of the mouth. We've been seeing, God's been showing us, the prophets have been declaring the end times. And now we crossed over into the Jewish year of releasing those words, releasing those thoughts, releasing that vision from the inside to the outside. There's someone who's watching right now. You may be here right now, but you've been battling with a, um, <clears throat> you've been battling with a, a condition in the uh, inner indigestive system. I don't know what that is. I don't know um, uh, if it's an intestinal thing. I don't know what the situation is, but I want to tell you right now in the, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over that situation and I command it to leave your body. That is not the truth. And, and um, there's others uh, are watching the, and, or maybe even here at, at uh, our church at home and you've got something that's been uh, running in the sense of, it, you say, well, it, run, it runs in our family. In other words, it's generational. In other words, it's in our DNA. Well, I always said this way, DNA means do not approach me. Hmm? The truth is, you, you've been made a new creature in Christ Jesus. We're not going against DNA. We understand DNA. But, but a greater truth than that, you see, that's, that's that thing Kenyon was talking about. We have this mental ascent. Well, high blood pressure and diabetes and all this, it was in my family. It, it runs in my family. Well, Pastor Buzzy, suddenly you say it this way. If it runs in your family, run it out. Run it out. Why? Well, my daddy had this. Well, the Bible says you've been refathered. <laughs> Glory to God. You've been refathered from above. You know, God doesn't have no blood pressure on his carpet. Says, uh, uh, angels, take, take my blood pressure. It feels a little high this morning. No, he's doing just fine, right? Is that the truth? So no matter what the battle is, guess what? You win. Now, the only battle that you have to fight this, this left open to uh, the outcome is, is the battle that Jesus hadn't fought for you and didn't win. Say again, the only battle left open is the battle is, you know, for the consensus of, you know, the outcome of it is a, is a battle that Jesus didn't fight and already win for you. Now, see, that would include. Um, um, oh, I can't think of anything. Oh, well, we win then. I said, oh, we win. Everybody say, I'm a winner. I'm on the winning side. I'll say it better. I'm on the winning side. All things are working together for my good. To those that love God. That's me. I'm a God lover. I'm a winning on every side. The blood's been applied. I will but not be denied. In Jesus' mighty name. And now let's finish and say, Jesus is Lord three times. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Well, God bless you. Thank you for every church for letting me come. Thank you, Pastor, for letting me come and speak to your dear people. I bless you in Jesus' name. God bless you.